Welcome to Women Inseparable with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. This is a 15-week study of Who Holds Forgiveness. The word forgiveness brings different emotions to each of us. Join us as we dig deeper into who holds forgiveness. Here's Jacqueline. Um, let's pray, and then we're going to be in Mark and Ephesians. For those who want to know ahead of time, we're going to be in Mark and Ephesians. But first, for this Who Holds Forgiveness study, um, our last four weeks, so things are going to get real. I've been saying that maybe week by week that this one might hurt. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh Lord God, I love that your presence is here. I love the promise that when two or three are gathered together, there you are. And Lord God, there is a room full. I pray that the presence that we're feeling together as a group, that you'll pour that level of presence with our women who are home alone right now. Those who are caring for loved ones, those that are caring for themselves, those that are in a new town away from people that they know from home. Lord, you know all the different situations. You know the situations that are keeping people indoors today. I pray that you will dump the fullness of your presence all around them. I pray that they will know as a child of God that they are not alone. And I pray that you will open the doors for them to connect, connect to the family of God in the way that is right for them and in your perfect timing. Lord God, I pray that you'll be with each and every one of us. Fill us fully with your presence. That is the promise that you give us in scripture. Father God, I do pray that you will remove any um, presence of darkness from this room, from our hearts, from our marriages, from our children, from our city, from our state. Oh, Father God, I pray that you'll remove darkness right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray that the light that has come according to John 1, the light that has come, I pray that that is the only thing that we see, that that is what we feel, because the darkness cannot even stand ground next to your light. We thank you so much for that light. I thank you for scripture. I thank you for the book of Mark. I thank you for the letter to the Ephesians. I pray that you will help us to open up our eyes, open up our ears, and hear what you have to say to us this morning. Grow us. Father God, that is my prayer. Grow us in your freedom. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Mark chapter 2. We're going to go back and revisit just a little bit. Mark chapter 2 is where we're going to be. I'm sorry? T two. Week 12. Did I say week wrong? Oh, there you go. Help from a friend. I love that. Week 12. We are in week 12. Uh, we have four weeks, 12, 13, 14, 15 to go. Today, my excitement for today is a little um, nervous. <laughs> Welcome to Women Inseparable. Are you glad you're here? <laughs> there is a whiteboard in this room, and we may be using that whiteboard today. We want freedom, don't we? If there's one thing above all things that we want in forgiveness, it's freedom. And sometimes to be able to attain freedom in a certain area, you have to let go of what you're holding, right? You have to be able to get whatever is buried into that fist. You have to open up those fingers. You have to pry back that thumb. You have to be able to tip your hand over and say no more. We want freedom. 
we want freedom with our whole heart with forgiveness. I know that we do because we are here even on week 12, even in the weather, even in this sorrow, even in this season, we're here because forgiveness is real. It's deep, but it's forgiven and there's freedom in that. And we want that freedom. The question is, how do we get that freedom? Simple answer is you open your hand and you dump it out and you say it's done. You say, well, I've tried that and it keeps coming back. It sticks to me like that sin. It's adhesive. How do we truly attain that freedom? I pray that we find that in scripture. Mark chapter two. In week two of um, Who Holds Forgiveness? I encourage you to re-listen to this. Uh, Make sure, remind yourself where you were, where you are, and where you want to be. Mark 2, in um, session 2, we read the first 12 verses. We talked about the paralytic on the mat with the four friends going to Jesus. And we talked about Jesus saying to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. And we saw how the Pharisees were so, so angry about this free gift that Jesus gave to a sick man, to an unsaved man outside of the temple, away from sacrifice. We saw that whole scene. We're going to move down to just that next section that we find in Mark chapter two, beginning in verse 13. Mark chapter two in verse 13. It says, he went out again. This is Jesus. This is Jesus leaving this house, leaving all the remaining conversations that were taking place in this house, talking to the Pharisees, talking to the unsaved that I have a high imagination that the man who was on the mat was not the only one who got saved that day. Do you ever think about that? That there may have been those that are coming and listening. I heard about Jesus. I want to see what's happening. There's a crowd. I want to be part of that crowd. And they hear Jesus offer the freedom of forgiveness. And the man stands up in the freedom of forgiveness and walks home. I have a feeling he wasn't the only one who got saved that day. Jesus was having conversations with his disciples, with the unsaved, with the followers, with the Pharisees. I have a feeling this conversation was a long day. That was a long event. We get a snapshot of it, an active snapshot, the live photo that we get on our cell phones. You push it and you can see the photo. That's kind of what we get from this one. But we know it goes on and on. After that, verse 13, it says, he went out again beside the sea and all the crowd was coming to him. How the crowds multiplied by word of mouth. And Jesus, Jesus was teaching them, always teaching. Verse 14, and as Jesus passed by, he saw Levi. He saw a man named Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And Jesus said to him, two words, Jesus said to him, follow me. So as Jesus was walking past, teaching to those who are around him, he sees a man where he was, as he was at work. Reality. It was a normal day. Nothing new, nothing different. It was his day. And this man was sitting there at his booth doing his job, which wasn't particularly honest, wasn't a particularly well-favored job by those that knew him. When you go, you know, to IRS situations, here's Levi, not liked, not loved, not adored. People don't go to his booth with excitement. Ah, 
I was so excited to come see you today. You have filled my soul. He didn't receive words of praise. He very rarely received the words, thank you. He wasn't favored. He wasn't a highly favored man, and it was not doing a highly favored position. But yet Jesus saw him where he was in his truth, in his reality, in his everyday. And Jesus looked at him and said the same two words he says to you and me. Follow me. In Matthew 9, 9, which is just one of my favorite, favorite verses, it's the, the connecting verse, the sister verse, if you will, of Mark 2. And it says that Jesus said to Matthew, to Levi, follow me. And it says, and he rose and followed him. Immediate. Immediate. He didn't have to look around and say, well, my finances, my reputation, my home, my life. Like he didn't look around anything. I would love, love to sit in his booth with him and see the whole thing. Like, did he talk to himself? Did he talk it out for a moment? Did he think about it for a minute? Or was he part of the crowd that lingered around over this last day, last week, last month, last year, lingering around and hearing word of mouth, seeing differences and maybe his customers coming up to him, people that were snotty and mean and arrogant and rude, all of a sudden, nice. I wonder if he was seeing a difference from these people who followed this man that was making a difference. I wonder, I don't know, but I wonder what he saw what he heard, what he was witnessing, what he himself was questioning. Maybe he was laying in bed at night wondering, how did I end up in this job? Why am I here? Have you ever done that? The Bible doesn't give us his internal thoughts. Don't you wish? But then we already know because we're human and we know our own internal thoughts and they're not far off from one another. We know. We know what's going on in our brain. So he's going to work, he's doing his thing, and Jesus says, follow me, and he rises up, and he follows. Is that you? Remember the day you got saved? Jesus says to you, follow me, what did you do? What did you do? Say, well, I didn't rise up and leave my job. Did you receive Jesus as your savior the day you found out Jesus rose again? Yes, you followed him. You followed him, and in that moment, that seed of evil was washed out, and the seed of God was placed in, and you, therefore, at that moment, became a follower of Jesus Christ. We talked about the fruit of that forgiveness last week, and how that fruit of forgiveness spills out as you know Jesus, and this is what I want us to see today. Verse 15, it says, and he, Jesus, and I think this is interesting, He, Jesus, reclined at table in his house. That quickly in Mark chapter 2, we see Jesus go up to a man, say two words to the man. The man leaves everything and follows Jesus. And then they walk together from job, leave side by side, would love that conversation, And they go to his house. You see a pronoun, you always want to know who that pronoun belongs to. That pronoun belongs to Levi, whom we know as Matthew. He goes directly, he walks Levi home. 
You say, I got saved and I want to do so much so big that I want to do something different now. I want my life to be different now. I'm saved. My marriage should be different. I'm saved. My children should be different. I'm saved. I should be different. And Jesus says, follow me. And where does Jesus take him? He takes him home. And this is what's beautiful. He reclines at table. So Jesus is comfortably, comfortably sitting and eating in this house. And it's not just the two of them. Many tax collectors and many sinners were reclining with Jesus and with his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Levi was home in his surroundings, in his normalcy, with his associates and Jesus. We want to get saved and we want to change so desperately. And Jesus says, but if you get saved on Monday morning... And Monday night, you are now this brand new, crazy, strong warrior of the king. What happens to those people that were in your life Monday morning? Who's there for them? What happened to them? Those relationships that are broken, that pain that is there, the ickiness, the rawness, the reality of your Monday morning, those people, if you snap out of it and wake up and you're like, I got it all figured out. Me and God, we're side by side. We've got this. What about those broken relationships? What did you just do to them? Did you tell them about Jesus? Were they able to witness the Holy Spirit grow you? Or did you become what you wanted to become that quick? Does that make sense? Jesus wants you to grow where you are. That includes your home. That includes that broken relationship. That includes that matter of forgiveness. It's your working through during this series. Jesus says, those people need to see you love me. That's all they need. They don't need you to be a strong warrior right now. They need you to say, I met Jesus. What does that mean? I don't know. But I know that he died on the cross. I know that he was buried. I know he rose again. I know he did that for me and for the forgiveness of my sins. Well, now what? Now, what do you say? Don't say anything. If God says, don't say anything, live. <laughs> I'm like, but I would like an easier option, please. The living thing, ah, it's for the birds. But Jesus says, I want you to go home and I'm going to go home with you. How beautiful is that? He's with you. He's walking you to your reality. He's walking you to your truth. He's keeping you where you are because there's somebody where you are that is broken and needs to know forgiveness and needs to know the healing of Jesus Christ. And they need to know that by watching you. Does that make you want to stand a little bit taller? Fall in love with Jesus just a little bit more? Knowing that your love for Jesus could lead somebody else, somebody like Levi, somebody like a tax collector, somebody like that person that just crossed your mind, that is unsaved, that hurt you. Maybe God can use your growth to lead that person to Jesus Christ simply by you living in love with the one who forgave you of your sins. He makes things simple. We make things difficult. Stop making things difficult and grasp onto Jesus who made things simple. Here's scripture. 
verse 15, it says, And he, as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. I wonder how many tax collectors are part of those that followed him. How many of those sinners were part of that category that followed him? And the scribes and the Pharisees, we see in verse 16, and the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, don't you like that background conversation? Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Judge, judge, judge. And when Jesus heard it, because we talked about last week how Jesus hears everything. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, he said to the scribes, he said to the Pharisees, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those, those who are sick, he's called the tax collectors and the sinners those who are sick. It takes us back to what just happened in Mark 2. He says, there was a, a paralytic man that came to me sick in health, but he was also sick in the spirit. He was not a follower of me. He did not know that I came to die on the cross to forgive him of his sins. This man did not know he was sick through and through. And by my word, he was healed. Jesus says, I did not come to those who are well. Pharisee, I did not come for you because you don't want me here. You know God. You know the law. You don't need me. You do need me, but you won't see it. You won't see it. You won't hear it. You don't want it. Those that do want healing are the sick. Can't we testify of that physically? Can't we testify of that? We're feeling great. And then one day you're like, oh my gosh, what just happened to my body? Some people say that happens when you turn, you know, a certain age. You wake up on this birthday and you're like, oh, life is over. <sighs> life is great. Age is wonderful. It's a beautiful thing. Our bodies quit sometimes. And it doesn't matter how old we are. If you, a lot of you know my story. I was 23 the first time my body shut down. Super, super sick. It doesn't matter how old we are. Our bodies, our bodies quit and we get sick. It's at that point that we think within our soul, I need help. My body needs a doctor. I need to go right now because I'm going to die. So that's when we go for our doctor. This is what Jesus is saying about himself. When somebody within themselves know I'm not right, I'm not whole, there's something missing, those are the people those are the people to which I came. That's Jesus. Jesus meets us where we are. He doesn't want a pretense. He doesn't want a Pharisee. He doesn't want a religious person. He doesn't want a show. He wants us. How refreshing is that? It, it's good. It's good. With that in mind, hold on to that nugget. And I pray the Holy Spirit is speaking what you need to know from that passage. Picture that scene. See where you are at this table with Levi, whom we know as Matthew, uh, with Jesus, with the tax collectors, with the sinners, with your crowd. Can you do that? Can you invite yourself to this table? And it's up to you if you want to go back to the day you got saved in that society. For some of us, that's different than the people we hang out with now. 
But imagine that day you got saved and those friends that were in your life, that family member, that situation, that ex, that fill in the blank, invite that scene. Like, I don't want to think about it. Will you sweetly bring that scene? Jesus is there. You're not bringing it to darkness. Anything, the Bible says anything that's dark that brings into the light is now light, right? So get that scene. Bring that scene. Invite those people to this scene. Does that make sense? This is what I'm asking you very sweetly to do. For me, it would be bringing uh, my mother's husband, inviting him to the table. Who are you inviting? Like, oh, this is hard. It's not easy. But Jesus. Jesus rose again. Then Jesus ascended. Went back to heaven. And when he ascended, he gave us a gift. And that gift that he gave us was the Holy Spirit. We can read the story of the Holy Spirit coming in the beginning of the book of Acts. If that's something you need to do, that you're dying to do, that you want to do again, read Acts. Read Acts chapter 1, read Acts chapter 2. If you're so enamored by Acts 1 and Acts 2, read the whole book. In your own time, in your own way, read through Acts. But until you get to that point, read Acts 1, read Acts 2, meet the Holy Spirit. That's when the Holy Spirit came. From that point, the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, the 12 apostles, and they started speaking Jesus. They just spoke Jesus. Everywhere they went, to anyone in front of them, they spoke Jesus. They spoke Jesus. It's all they did was just speak Jesus. And their life wasn't awesome. Their life wasn't great. Their life was often bound in prison, often beaten. And they said, well, isn't it wonderful? Peter and John at one point said, isn't it wonderful that we got to get beaten for the name of Jesus? These are the disciples. This is what they're doing. One of those disciples, one of those followers of Jesus, his name was Paul. He wrote this letter to a church that he was leading to Jesus and in Jesus. He wrote this letter. Let me find my spot. Ephesians chapter 4 is what we're going to focus on today. In light of that dinner table, in light of Jesus being there with you, with your friends, with the people that you know, with Pharisees, with religious hypocrites, with strangers, who's in that room? We know who's in the room scripturally. Who did you bring to the table? Here's what he says. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, He introduces himself a little bit to get to the point. He says, I, therefore, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Again, here he is bound in chains for speaking the name of Jesus. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. What were you called to? You were called to salvation. That's what you were called to. He says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility. Picture yourself at that table, will you? With all humility and all gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, 
eager to maintain the unity of the Holy Spirit and the bond of peace. And at some point, one of us wants to cry out the word, but really? Do you know who's at the other end of this table? I don't want to be here right now. Or our words could be something more like this. I don't want them to be here. I've earned my place. Jesus said to me, follow me. I rose. I followed him. I have a seat at the table. That person, I don't want that person here. Anybody else feel that? Sometimes we say that. Sometimes we lock those words away because a Christian girl does not say those words. But if you're anything like me, you can join me on my little, little stool that I'm sitting on and say, sometimes I have that heart in which I cry out, I can't do this. I can't keep the bond of peace with that person in this room. I can't do it. Gentleness, I can't do it. Patience, I can't do it. My heart is pounding just at the thought. Anybody else sitting with me? Scripture. Here's what Paul is saying. Be eager in verse three. He says, be eager to maintain the unity of the Holy Spirit and the bond of peace. How sweet it is that God gave us the Holy Spirit so that we can be eager to maintain the unity of the Holy Spirit, not you. Like, okay. Makes it a little bit easier. It doesn't have to be my patience. It doesn't have to be my godliness. It doesn't have to be my peace. It has to be the Holy Spirit's. So what does that look like? How do I do that? That heart rate that just flew up at the thought of that person sitting at the table with you and the bond of peace of the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? simple answer looks like Jesus because our heart rate flies when we're sitting at the table when we go to that Bible study when we go to that um, holiday meal we're not supposed to be like holiday-ish <laughs> for podcasters because people can listen at any time and I won't mention that Thanksgiving is coming up in a couple of weeks but some of us are dreading that Thanksgiving table because somebody's going to be there. The fact of the matter is our heart rate rises when that person enters Bible study, when that person comes to the table and that person dares to come into your home, our heart rate rises. However, that heart rate goes down when we see who else is at the table. Who else is at the table? Jesus. You're like, so you're saying that I can go to the same Bible study I could sit at the same table with that person and just focus on Jesus? Yes. But what do I do if, smile. <laughs> that person sat on my row. <laughs> Things just got real. What do I do when that person is so physically near my space, when my heart is going, they're there, what do I do? You say in your head, in your heart, 
you might not want to say out loud because that could be rude. Jesus, help me to be nice to this person. (laughs) You might not want to be that obvious, but in your heart and the depths of your soul, you can cry out and say, Jesus, my eyes are on you. Help me to see you. Help me to see you. I need to see you. And you smile and you say, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. I got to get to the restroom. (laughs) Girl card. You can lay down your card. It's okay to get through a small conversation and then walk away and then thank Jesus. Be that woman that thanks Jesus. Jesus, you just helped me have dialogue with that person. Jesus, you just helped me have eye contact. How hard is that to look in the eyes of somebody that you are hurt by? How hard is that? And you keep your eyes on Jesus and that person enters your space and you look in their eyes and smile and leave and you give God all that glory because you just did something that you would not have done before. You're like, but I didn't give him a hug. I didn't give him Get over all that. What did you do? You just stood tall. You just looked at Jesus instead of looking at that person. Thank Jesus for that. Does that make sense? Give yourself a break and grow little bits. Grow little bits. If you can get past that eye contact, you can get past that smile, you get past that, hi, you gotta go. Conversation, God will grow you and grow you and grow you. And you have no idea what God is doing in that person's heart. That person is noticing, I caused damage to her and she just said hi to me. Oh, the Holy Spirit and the bond of peace. He's working. All you did was smile. The Holy Spirit is working on overload. Who knows if that person will get saved simply because you kept your eyes on Jesus at the table. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Simple, hard, but simple. Keep your eyes. Keep your eyes. If you need to literally put up blinders. Do do what you got to do. Keep your eyes on Jesus going down. And I do encourage you to read through um, Ephesians 4 because I'm ready to just get right into the, the beauty of the body of the family of God. It's so deep and so precious, um, but it's not in this study for right now. But I do pray the Holy Spirit will use that for you with your time with him this week. Ephesians 4, going down to verse 17. I'm going to read a couple of verses. Ephesians 4, 17. It says, now this, Paul says, now this is what I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk, that you no longer walk as the Gentiles do. See that unsaved person that's in your heart, that's in your head, that's at your table. You no longer walk with them. You no longer walk in that fashion. You never, no longer walk in that mindset. Verse 18, it says, for they are darkened in their understanding. Oh, that we pray that they're no longer darkened in their understanding. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, how we pray 
that that unsaved person who hurt us so badly is no longer alienated from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them. And we pray so desperately that their hardness of heart will be softened by the blood of Jesus Christ. Are you strong enough to pray those prayers over that unsaved person that hurt you? Are you strong enough to pray that? Because the truth of the matter is they're unsaved. And Jesus died on the cross for sins. He died on the cross for your sins. He died on the cross for that person's sins that he committed against you. Ponder that sentence. He died on the cross for sins, all sins, your sins, that person's sins. He died on the cross for as if Jesus said, you child of God, you're clean, you're pure, you're unstained by the sin that was cast upon you. How precious and free is that? You're, I'm free. I'm pure from the sin that was cast upon me. It's not on me anymore because of Jesus. We want that person to feel that same forgiveness. Don't we? Oh, I pray that we do. I pray that we do. Verse 18, it says, They are darkened in their understandings, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. How heartbreaking if this was a sentence said about you. He has given you freedom. May God give freedom to that, that person as well. Verse 19, they have become callous and have given themselves to the sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. That is not you anymore. This is saying the same situation that could be said to Levi. Levi, you are sitting there darkened. Levi, you are sitting there in your sin. Levi, you are sitting there in your separation from God. And I said, do you follow me? And you followed me. And I sat at the table with you where you were. Every one of us were in our darkness. And those of us that have followed Jesus are now in the light of Jesus Christ. But we're still surrounded by those that are in their darkness. Do you see that and how it constantly moves? The light of Jesus Christ is constantly moving because he's growing you in the light of Jesus and affecting the darkness because that darkness will not overcome the light. It won't. Going down to verse 28. Verse 28, and again, I, I pray we spend time in Ephesians 4 this week. It says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Turn it around because Jesus is doing that. The Holy Spirit is doing that. Follow the Holy Spirit. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, for building up. You're at that table. You're seeing those people. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for those that are at your table to build them up as fits the occasion. Why? That it may give grace, grace upon grace to those who hear. Oh, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, sweet friend, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. As you finish this chapter with the Lord this week, you will see forgiveness at the end of this chapter. That heart of forgiveness, that fruit of forgiveness, may it spill out of you. May it spill out of you. 
We are all held in the hand of God. Our sins are forgiven. We're held in the hands of God. That includes that person that hurts you. Is there room in your head for that person in the hand of God? You do realize how big his hand is, right? It doesn't mean you have to sit side by side and giggle. It does mean that you have to understand it's God. It's God. Can we wrap our heads around that and have the heart of forgiveness? You give that forgiveness, that heart of forgiveness to that situation, that person that came to the table with you today. Freedom is going to flourish in ways that are going to just make you smile in place of the pain. I guarantee it. I can testify of it. Heavenly Father, Father God, thank you so much for letting us sit in your hand. And I thank you so much. If I can be honest, I thank you that your hand is so big. It's hard to be in a room with somebody. It's hard. It's hard to be in close, close space with somebody that's hurt you. It's hard. But Jesus, you've made it so easy by being so real. Oh, the fact that we serve a God that's real, that we don't have an idol that can't hear us, that can't speak to us, that can't hold us. Jesus, you're so real. And you love us so deeply, so intimately, so personally. I pray right now that you'll be with the forgiveness of sins for that person. I don't know if that person that's in our hearts is saved. Lord, God saved people, hurt people. I pray for that saved person that has caused pain in our lives. I pray that their eyes will be opened to your forgiveness of sins, that they will remember that they are forgiven of their sins and that they can walk in freedom of the light of Jesus Christ. And I pray that I will not judge, that we will not judge whatever they do, whenever they do, however they do, but that our eyes are on Jesus. And I pray that their eyes are on Jesus and that we can sit in the hand of God, beholding the face of Jesus together. Oh God, that is my prayer. And Father God, I pray for that unsaved person that has caused so much hurt, that unsaved person that we can't even fathom coming to the table, that the idea of them being next to us in the hand of God makes us so unsettled. Father God, I pray right now for the salvation of that soul. I pray that the blood of Jesus Christ will wash him or her through and through and that they will be renewed by the Holy Spirit, that the bond of peace will overtake them just as it has overtaken us. Heavenly Father, I pray salvation will reign and that the freedom of forgiveness will be the fruit that just abounds more and more. God, you are so good. You're so big. And we thank you. We thank you with all that we can, all that we can muster. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Telegram at WIOnline. If you need prayer, contact us at womeninseparable at gmail.com.